Welcome to the Milk Monologues, a collection of stories where everyday Kiwi whānau share their journeys of how they fed their babies during the first year. Every mother, father and caregiver has a story to tell when it comes to infant feeding, just like that of birth. A baby needs milk to survive and as a new parent you often don't know what to expect when it comes to feeding. How you end up doing this can differ from family to family. We are a judgment-free, inclusive of all types feeding podcast. Our aim is to share the stories of infant feeding to empower and provide a platform to share insights, challenges and achievements as families navigate the journey of feeding their baby. A reminder before we begin that these are personal stories and that midwives, lactation consultants and GPs can be an invaluable part of your support network. You should always talk to a trusted medical professional and seek advice before making any changes that affect the health of you and your baby. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Today on the podcast, we have Sarah. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for coming along. Thank you for having me. I'm so looking forward to hearing your story. Tell us about your family. Sure. Um, So there is me and my partner, Ricky. And um, together we have a little girl called Sailor. She is 21 months, but I also have a son called Jackson and he is 19 and a half. I don't know how many months that is. Yeah, let's not figure that one out. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. And what did you think of the age difference for yourself? Like, how was that having babies so far apart? Um, it was two completely different journeys. Uh, I had Jackson when I was 19 and a lot of not only my uh, birth and my postpartum experience but my parenting in general was um, so much fear-based, um, really anxious that I was st- going to stuff up and also at the same time unsure of where to ask for help or if I should ask for help. Um, so yeah, comparing that to now and obviously having 18 years of life experience, um, it was completely different with Sailor um, and I knew agencies of help, um, I think because as well, I work in those agencies so I was able to to reach out um, when I was pregnant in the antenatal period and um, get some support that um, I thought I'd need when it came time for breastfeeding. Yeah, that's such an interesting perspective to have, and I'm so looking forward to hearing more about it. So before you had Jackson, <laughs> 19 and a half years ago, yep. what did you know about infant feeding? Um, from what I'd seen from my mum and my aunties, um, I didn't have any friends that had had babies. Sorry, I had one friend that had had babies, and she'd never breastfed. Um so it was just that you pop your baby onto your breast and they suckle and they're good to go. Easy. No worries. It was going to, I was going to be sweet sailing. Yeah, yeah. So what happened with you and Jackson in the first week? <laughs> um, the first couple of weeks were definitely the hardest. Um, he was a big baby born. He was 10 pound two born. So yeah, he was a big unit. And um, of course that made him a hungry baby and um, the entire first few weeks every single time I tried to latch him on um, it was incredibly painful I would have done birth over and over and over again compared to the pain I felt and experienced during breastfeeding Um, it was horrendous but I thought that was normal and um, so I never told anyone and my family just thought um, 
Jackson's word, first word might be the F-bomb because every single time I popped him on, I'd go boop, 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 <laughs> because it hurt so much. Um, yeah, I had um, mastitis eight times. So I was on antibiotics really regularly, um, bleeding, cracked nipples, and um, yeah, had no idea that I was doing it wrong. And, well, not doing it wrong, but I, I wasn't aware that you could struggle. And so I didn't, I didn't really tell, tell anyone and I just tried to power on. Just terrified that I wasn't giving my baby enough milk or yeah, I felt that whole anxiety about not being able to see how much I was giving him really really hard and um yeah he was still obviously quite hungry so yeah at the start it was definitely um a challenging journey and one I had no idea where to even start to ask for help so I didn't yeah I bet that does sound like you had a lot of obstacles to overcome I guess (laughs) yeah so did you get any help with with all of this from people um, eventually my mum had a friend who was um, not a lactation consultant but she worked for an agency that did that sort of thing and I remember she came over and she reached from behind me and grabbed Jackson's head and grabbed my breast and just wrangled the two of them together and I was just going what is going on what are you doing to me and she was trying to make Jackson's mouth wider and shoved my boob into um, his mouth and it just wasn't working and I was terrified I was going what is this woman doing so yeah needless to say she didn't get invited back home for another cup of tea um yeah (laughs) it was horrendous yeah I can hear that it just uh wasn't really an introduction thing it was more let's get this baby on and you know you're not doing this right or try this hold and it was really quick and um really aggressive (laughs) um yeah and sort of being told that you're not doing something right when you're already feeling like you're not doing anything right um yeah instantly that fear and that shame and guilt and oh gosh I'm not doing something right that cycle continues to unfold and it's horrendous so what helped you to persevere with feeding through multiple episodes of mastitis um I felt like there was sort of breastfeeding Nazis around me and um, that it was the best thing I could do for my baby. Um, and in the end, it was that one friend who um, had, re- had, she had um, a lack of um, breast tissue, so she was never able to make enough milk that she came, brought a, a tin of formula over her and said, um, why don't you try some formula to um, top them up and and see how you go because at this point I was ragged Um, I was by myself and so obviously parenting by yourself alone is stressful enough let alone being 19 and um, scared so um, yeah she brought that over and I tried just a little bit of formula to top them up and the baby stopped crying and I was like whoa this is amazing Um, so in that instance um, yeah formula helped my mental health um it helped Jackson to be to have a full puku and um in the end was able to help him settle into into more of a cycle so from then on in from about four months I did mixed feeding for eight months and then um I was going back to university um so he went um and he was going into um daycare so we um I put him fully on onto formula from then on 
Yeah, it sounds like you were in a really challenging position to have to make decisions like that about you guys. Yeah, um, and it was just hard because I, I just didn't know and everyone around me um, that I'd ever seen breastfeed, it, it just looked so natural and so normal. So I just figured it's going to be the same for me. And it wasn't. Yeah, I reckon the people who <laughs> find it harder stuck at home. <laughs> they don't go out and you don't see totally. them breastfeeding in cafes. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, wow. Now I look at them and I'm just like, that's amazing. Mm. That is so cool that you're able to do that. It does make it really, really challenging. Yeah, it's nice when when it, you when you see it's working to be able to appreciate how beautifully physiological it all is and how wonderful it can be. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's definitely hard when it's not you. Yeah. So how did that affect you and your parenting and maybe even your mental health? Um, yeah, it was just something that I always worried that I hadn't given him enough of my milk um, and that the, at that, that um, time, it was 2001, um, Breast is Best was um, really taking quite a stronghold. And although, I mean, absolutely, breast milk is the best, you know, that's scientifically proven. But was it best for my mental health? Um, was it best for this baby? And um, was it best for my situation long term? Could I sustain it? Um, with the mastitis and the pain and um, the fact that I would start to have panic attacks before having to feed him because I knew how much it was going to hurt. Um, yeah, I just, it, it wasn't going to be doable for us long term. And yet I, from what I'd seen, I thought that was the way I had to go. And aside from using some formula, was there anything else you did to help look after yourself or protect your mental health when you were going through that? Uh, no, uh, but it definitely did plant that seed that there was something wrong and it didn't have to be like that. So I guess, yeah, I, it was a, a case of awareness and then now being aware that, um, that was a possibility and, um, not the, not that everyone's journey is exactly the same. So I guess it was more an awareness and, um, sort of planted that seed in the back of my head for if I was going to have um, future children, which I, at the time I was like, heck no. Um, there was no way in hell I was going through that again. But you did. <laughs> How do I snap and look what happened? <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about your next pregnancy and birth and feeding sailor. Sure, sure. So um, I call it, um, I had um, nipple PTSD. Um, so I was able to feed Jackson off my nipple, but um, since I stopped feeding Jackson, I noticed that um, my nipples were flat and it would take a bit of effort as such to bring them out again. And so I spoke to my amazing midwife really early on in my pregnancy and explained the situation. And she said, oh, it's still a possibility. You definitely still could be. Um, able to feed so she referred me to a lactation consultant who I met with and we started talking and then she's like okay show me your nipples and I'm like right man that was forward um <laughs> but um that was awesome and she was able to pull my nipple out and said you know there's a 50 50 chance that you will be able to feed this next baby um but we won't know until you've had baby whether she's going to be able to create her own latch or not so I knew that was going to happen. And I also, because I've got a blood disorder, I was on Clexane from 26 weeks pregnant um, and postpartum the first 12 weeks. 
and I knew that that could sometimes slow down your milk supply as well. Um, so yeah, getting in touch and being really transparent and straight up with my midwife was the best thing ever. And then meeting Karen, the uh, lactation consultant, she was brilliant and so encouraging. Um, and so she sort of had me on the books as such, like, so she knew when Sailor was due, so on and so forth. Um, also, um, both Zoe, my midwife, and Karen had said, have you heard of milk sharing? And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Milk sharing? What's that about? And um, it was like this sort of secret world had been opened up to me. And I was like, what? Who are these people? You can get milk from other mothers. Um, and I felt like I became part of like a secret society. Yeah, sometimes it feels a bit that way, eh? Oh, it's so amazing and so empowering. Like, and I was like, who are these women? And how were they doing this? I had no idea about breast pumps. I had no idea about um, collecting colostrum and vials or, you know, syringes. Um, yeah, it, it just blew my mind. And I was like, wow, I feel like I'm part of a, another community. Yeah, so with Sailor, how did they end up going in that first wee while? Was so um, I, she suggested joining um, the Facebook group um, Pity Pornor and also Mother's Milk. And um, the women on there were amazing at giving me uh, an education really, really fast on what was involved and, um, yeah, how I sort of went about getting, um, getting some milk. Um, I also shared what was going on with the old nips with another friend who was pregnant and she was due just after me. And she said, oh, I'm already um, able to get colostrum off. Would you like me to start storing some for you? And I was like, wow, that's amazing. So she was um, expressing off her colostrum and then storing it in either, I brought her a whole lot of syringes. It's a real strange gift to give someone, a whole lot of empty, empty syringes. And um, she'd come back with them and she'd literally tie them in a little bow. Um, and she had them all labelled on the dates that she'd expressed and how many mil it was and even the time of day. And so I had, and I was able to freeze those and um, store them just in case I had any issues at the start. If people pack in their hospital bags, their nappies, um, out, cute outfits for the baby and I'm packing a little freezer baggie um, <laughs> filled with syringes of colostrum. And yeah, but I, I was more than happy to use it if I needed to. Yeah, so did you end up having to use it? Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, Sailor was a really, really quick birth. Um, I, my waters had broken two days earlier, and um, so I had to go. I didn't want to go to the hospital, but I had to go to the hospital to have IV antibiotics because it had been, I think, over 55 hours. So I had the antibiotics, and um, my midwife had gone to go have some lunch, and I was going to decide if I wanted to go home or whatever I wanted to and within um, about 10-15 minutes contractions started and they started real fast um, and so my sister-in-law called the midwife through and um, said yeah it's um, you're in full active labour and 22 minutes later I um, had Sailor in my arms so it was really really fast in, in regard to active labour and she was um, a full brow presentation as well so she was a great time. She was a real neat time. I'll just be over here clenching my pelvic floor. <laughs> <laughs> so 
so true. And she was eight pound twelve. So another biggish baby, but then you know I'm not a small person. I'm I'm really tall. Um, so yeah, I seem to grow big babies. Yeah, and were you able to put her on the breast straight away after birth? Um, yeah, we tried. Um, we tried gently, and I think that was the difference. Um, that we we tried to sort of get Sailor to to sort my my nipple out, um, but yeah, it wasn't really happening. Um, and I had the colostrum there, and my midwife said. Um, I actually brought it up and said to her, we could, we could try giving um, Sailor some of the colostrum. And she was like, yep, awesome. And showed me how to get it back to room temperature. And um, yeah, was just brilliant. So I've got photos of um, Sailor's first having um, the milk of my friend. So that's, yeah, it's, it's quite special to be able to have that bond, knowing that that was some of Sailor's first food. And then in the hospital, I was taught how to express, like hand express. And I think it was kind of frustrating because um, every single midwife that I saw had a different technique. And so um, I think the ex-teacher of me was like, I must learn how to master this really, really fast. I must be the best milk expresser in the universe. Yeah, so I was yeah trying my best to, to make it happen and getting so bummed out when you'd get just a couple of drops. I'd be like, what? But then, of course, knowing that um, baby's puku is so small and it's only a couple of mils that you need to sustain them. So, yeah, so I expressed and, you know, as the days went by and my milk came in further, I was able to express more off. And I just remember being so stoked getting five mil and going, yes, I'm mother of the year. <laughs> Somebody get me a prize. Yeah. So then did you switch after the hand expressing, did you switch to another pump or were you able to just put her at the breast? Um, so again, in between, we were trying to put her on the breast. Mm-hmm. She was getting frustrated. I was getting frustrated. And um, so I said, could I try the hospital grade pump? And um, she brought, wheeled something in and I was like, whoa, and what are we going to do with that? Because obviously I'd never tried pumping before. So I put it on and um, I absolutely felt like my nipples were... Um, being sucked to the other side of the room. Um, it was definitely hospital grade. Um, and I thought, this can't be right. This can't be normal. So I stuck with the, the hand pumping for, I think, a couple more days. Um, and by this stage, um, Ricky and I just decided that I was going to try exclusively pumping. Um, I'd been on a few more like American sites where there's quite a big community of exclusive pumpers. Um, which I thought was funny to start off with. Hey, I'm an exclusive pumper. Um, but yeah, so I, um, we invested in a really good, oh, a uni mum, Min, Min, Minway or Minuit. It looks like Minuit, but I don't think it said Minuit. <laughs> Is it Minway? Minway? Oh, stop it. It's Min a French Wee. word, I don't know. Now, like yesterday, or not yesterday, on Sunday, I went to visit a new mum and she was on the breast pump and I just heard the sound and I was like, oh God, am I going to start lactating? Because it wasn't my baby's suckle that brought on um, my letdown. It was the sound of the pump, which, um, yeah, was just, <laughs> I was hoping I wouldn't start leaking all over the at-home coaching session. Um, I didn't, so that's good. <laughs> I know what that's like. <laughs> that's the worst. Also, I, I got so good at being a cow that I was able to produce a whole lot of milk and then I ended up becoming a donor. Also, before, so before I had Sailor, um, through the Piripono website, I met a woman called Lala 
um, and she lived in Taupo and she has five kids and um, she said that she would ship me some milk. So she organized a frozen courier, which who even knew there was a frozen courier? shipped me this massive box full of um, excess breast milk that she had. Her little girl is about six months older than Salem. So I had them all sitting in the freezer as well um, if and when I needed them. So um, yes, yeah, so she was amazing. And so she, yeah, she lived in Taupo and we sort of kept in contact a little bit. And then crazily enough, I got a message from her um, late last year and she was actually moving to Papamoa. So she now lives about two kilometers down the road and um, yeah, we catch up all the time and she works in the birth space as well by chance. And yeah, so we have a really cool relationship now. Once I had a real decent stash in my freezer, she was such an inspiration to put it out there that mm. I had some extra supply. Um, so one, I, you know, midwives work in teams, um, mm. my midwife's partner, one of her clients um, was struggling with supply and mm. so she was looking for some extra top-up milk and she ended up not being far away so we started messaging each other well, actually I was messaging her husband first because he and he was the one coming over to pick up the milk yeah um, I felt like I was like a milk drug dealer <laughs> <laughs> it's a, as gangster as my life was at the time <laughs> And um, yeah, so, and we became really good friends and she's one of my best friends now. And mm. our kids are six weeks apart and um, yeah, she's still breastfeeding. Wow. So she's an, an absolute machine. Um, yeah. And it's really funny just to have seen the girls grow up together and um, yeah, kind of cool to know. I don't know whether I'll use it like just to bum her daughter out and just say, oh, I used to drink my milk. Um <laughs> or whether she'll take it as a compliment, I'm not really sure. <laughs> so when you became an exclusive pumper, what information did you find from these websites? Um, how to store your breast milk, because you literally do not want to be crying over spilt milk. Um, so and, and it's happened before um, that, you know, you've been pouring it into a milk bag and then the, you've slipped or tripped or whatever and the milk bag's gone over. And I've literally cried over that spilt milk. It was horrible, absolutely horrible. Uh, and we had one, one other experience. Um, we live on the same property in two different houses as my sister-in-law, her husband and their three kids. And they were doing a massive reno. So they were moving out and our upright freezer was in their garage and so you know everyone knew that they had to keep the power on in the garage because it was full of our meat and um and breast milk and we'd actually gone to raglan for the weekend my parents live in raglan so had come home and ricky was going to put some some meat oh no we'd done the groceries and ricky was going up to the big freezer to stock everything um stock the stuff that we got at the supermarket and stock up the new freezer and he opened the freezer door and a smell came out like no other and one of the builders had turned off the power um to work on the house for the reno and just hadn't got the memo that there was a freezer that was on up there that couldn't be turned off so not only had all of our food that was stored in there but um i don't know a good 50 to 60 bags of frozen breast milk was also gone 
and I just knew from the look on Rookie's face when he came back down to our little place um, was that something had happened and I bawled my eyes out. It was just a miscommunication. It was just one of those things that happened. Um, but you know how much work goes into every single one of those bags and to know that they were all gone. Um, yeah, it was absolutely devastating. But yeah, it was just a, another part of our little journey. So what else was helpful with pumping? Because with flat nipples, did you have to use a particular type of pump or did you use any aids to help the pump work better on you? Um, I tried those little um, like little suction, suction cups that you sort of flip on your nipple and um, they try and pull the nipple out, no dice. Um, and it gave me a nipple hickey. That's never a good look. Um, <laughs> and then I tried nipple shields as well. And, um, but I bought the wrong size. And so by that stage, I was like, nah, I'm just going to go exclusively pumping. And yeah, buying a good pump was so, so important. And um, one that I could move around with. So I'd put the little battery pack in my pocket and then I'd only pump one side at a time. So I could still walk around and, um, and do things. And so my eldest boy and my nephews that live on the same property would be quite used to seeing me walk around holding onto a breast pump and they'd be, hello, auntie. Oh, gosh, I don't know where to look. But yeah, in the end, they just don't care. And they were of the age where they were asking lots of questions. And so I'd tell them, you know, like, this is how I'm making the, the bottle to, to feed Sailor and... They were quite fascinated by it. They'd probably be mortified now. They've just got to that pre-teen age. But, oh, I think yeah. it'll be helpful when they have kids. And <laughs> yeah, they know, they know how it goes. Absolutely. So it sounds like you've made two really empowering decisions. One back 19 years ago to give formula when things were getting really hard for you. And then now with exclusive pumping. So how would you compare like those journeys or even um, the messages and things that you were getting as a parent from 17 different, you know, years apart? <laughs> mm, completely different. Now um, education is used as a tool to empower rather than um, to instruct. Um, and yeah, there's just, I think as well, like there's so much more information about there. There wasn't Facebook. Um, I mean, the internet was around, but it wasn't something that you readily used. There was no such thing as social media. Um, and, you know, I think midwives are sharing that knowledge and that information more. So then that's filtrating down to clients who are then passing it on to, to other people. Um, yeah, and I think I've been able to share it with so many more people that this is, this is an option. Um, and something that I'm, I'm not afraid to talk about and, and to share with um, clients and friends and just to say to them there's more than, yeah, more than one way to skin a cat for want of a better saying. Um, but you get the, you know, you get what I mean by that. Yeah. And do you think there's a difference in any way between when you were younger or when you were older? like having your kids or feeding your kids or how to like kind of because I, I was really interested in that message you said about when you had Jackson that it was a very fear-based parenting style <laughs> so how was that different I guess now with Sailor? Um, yeah it was completely different because um, I think I trusted myself and I, um, I had agency over choice 
And so I chose to speak to my midwife and then she gave me even more options and sort of just sort of blew my mind with that there was other options. And perhaps back in 2001, there was milk sharing, but I definitely wasn't aware of it. And I never felt comfortable to be able to approach um, my GP or my midwife um, and, and ask for help. Um, I was more told it'll get better, it'll get better. And it wasn't getting better. And I definitely wasn't getting better. And um, yeah, not only was it affecting my physical health, but my mental health and making me feel like a failure when that wasn't the case at all. I wasn't a failure. But yeah, um, definitely that fear-based parenting. Going into anything with a fear mindset is never going to go well. Um, so because I was prepared and I was able to plan for the fact that I might not be able to... Um, do your standard breastfeeding, I, I was ready. And um, yeah, and that made me feel empowered because I was like, I've got choices and I know that I've got options and it's not just a, okay, you can't feed, you have to put your baby on formula. Yeah, so when we started to introduce formula, you know, I was getting quite over the whole pumping situation. So we, um, we introduced one bottle and then two bottles and then three bottles and then I was able to, to quit pumping and it was hard because suddenly I had all this time I was like what this must be what it's like for people that are able to breastfeed or have only solely um, bottle fed formula it's like this is a game changer that's yeah that's cool then I guess all of these experiences and the things that you reflect on so beautifully and have been so valuable and have led you to start your own business in this kind of space so tell us about that Sure. Um, so I find what well, I found and uh, over the years that um, there is not enough support once you are discharged from the mid midwife's care. Um, so I set up a business um, called Retachment and that's all about looking after a first time mum and preparing her for what those realities are. So I run a course, a workshop, um, it's run antenatally, but it definitely isn't an antenatal course. It's for everything for after you've had your baby. So looking after maternal mental health, physical healing, uh, breastfeeding support and um, education, um, swaddling and sleeping and settling techniques. Yeah, we just go through sort of a, a bit of a, this is what to expect and this is how we might troubleshoot it. Um, I've also got access to amazing experts. So if it goes past me as a coach, as a, a postpartum doula, uh, then I can refer on to some brilliant experts such as women's physios, osteopaths, um, chiropractors, even GPs that specialise in looking after mums and babies. Um, yeah, just acting as an advocate for mums. And um, I also go into homes and do coaching. So we look at what's going on and aspects that like some support around. And then I go into their homes and actually do it alongside them. So coach them on anything that they want to learn about. And um, sometimes I go to appointments with them. Um, yeah, it just depends on a whole lot of factors, but um, yeah, just to, to be that advocate and that support. And I think my biggest sort of catchphrase is everybody wants to hold the baby, but who wants to hold the mum? And you know, you've got so much attention on you when you're pregnant and um, then the baby's born and all that attention goes on the baby. And 
also a lot of mums are having their babies later on in life. So they've got really, really good at their job. And uh, then they think, oh, I'm just going to throw a baby in the mix. I, f- I feel like I'm ready. I'm nailing life. So I'll throw a baby in the mix and I'll be successful at that. And then when um, the proverbial hits the fan, they, um, that loss of identity and loss of success and, and feeling like they were doing well as a person, um, as well as the change in dynamic of relationship, um, it all just goes, goes up and, and then they, um, yeah, sort of just need to be reset again and reaffirmed and, um, yeah, told that not only is, is your baby navigating this new world, um, but you are navigating this new world and just to go easy on yourself and yeah, lashings of praise and encouragement and yeah, I think that's an excellent way to describe. I mean, it's your, you're the expert, (laughs) but it is an excellent way to describe kind of what can happen. And especially though some people can just stride into parenthood and it's fantastic. Um, But yeah, having the support and the people there that can connect with a lot of those resources for people that do need it is so important. And so usually the last question we ask for the podcast is what kind of wisdom would you have for someone maybe in a similar experience to you as a new parent or not (laughs) just as a second time parent um, in some of the feeding experiences that you've had and you've touched on so many wonderful things already but I wonder if there's anything else you wanted to add um just don't be afraid to to ask for help um, there's a whole lot of strength in vulnerability. And once you put your hand up to ask for help, the most amazing people will come out of the woodwork. But it is just that surrender and going, I need help. Um, people aren't mind readers. But once you put your hand up and say, I need some help, wow, the, the professional community and then the, um, the, the breastfeeding community, um, breast milk sharing community just come together and I felt so supported through the second journey i i would encourage any any new mum um to join those sort of sites and find out what milk sharing is about because yeah it was amazing and not only have i fed other babies but i've made some brilliant friends that are going to be lifelong friends and um yeah it's so important to to develop that village that we used to have and um and foster that because we are each other's allies and no one can support um a new mum like another new mum yeah absolutely that is such a wonderful addition or way to end the podcast today thank you so so much for your time i think you've just litters of wisdom throughout that um and it's awesome to hear your stories um so different from one another but you know, the empowering decisions that you made um, with the information that you sought out yourself and totally love that you can empower other women to make those kind of decisions for themselves too, if that's what they need. So thank you so, so, so much. My pleasure.